welcome to the One Up Podcast. This is episode 0003, Off Grid Gaming. What a title that was, huh? Off Grid Gaming. So let's talk a little bit about what off grid means. The grid in general is the electric grid. And I like to use the example of my home state of Texas, which recently had an issue with the electric grid that caused all kinds of problems. So off grid in this case just means you have no access to the normal electric grid. But if you're a gamer, what do you do? What supplies or technologies do you need to game in an off grid scenario? Now, at first, this may seem kind of simple, right? If you don't have access to a grid, well, you have to get power some other way. And in the US, that typically means solar power of some kind. So you may need some solar panels, some batteries to hold charge, all those kind of things. But how much do you need? And how long are you going to be able to game based on what you have? So I took the liberty of kind of breaking this down into a few small sections and trying to figure out what are the actual needs so that you can game comfortably off grid. So the first thing I'm going to say is we are not going to include current gen consoles or even last gen consoles or even the generation before that's consoles because those use a lot of power. Instead, we're going to go more for retro gaming and consoles that require very little power or I should say technologies that require very little power to actually allow you to game. The drawback here is that you're not going to be able to play the most modern games. But then again, in in an off-grid scenario, you don't have internet, so you don't really have multiplayer games. So I think that some of the older consoles are great here because nearly all of the games, if not every single one, were meant for either single player or within the same room multiplayer. So let's start with one of the first things you're going to need if you want a game, let's just say comfortably or enjoyably, and that's going to be an LCD TV. Now, I tried not to go too crazy here and look at, you know, an 80 something inch LCD. I think 32 inches is that sweet spot where it's not too small where you can't really enjoy it, but it's not so big that it takes up too much space or more importantly for off-grid gaming uses too much electricity. Obviously here at home, I game on 50 plus inch panels, but if I'm off-grid, I don't want to be sparing that much power. So it turns out that a 32-inch LCD TV averages between 30 to 70 watts of power. Not too bad. And that's over an hour. Then the next thing I wanted to look at was the mini consoles. And by this, I mean the Nintendo or the NES Mini, the SNES Mini, the PlayStation 1 Mini, the Genesis Mini, and even the more recent TurboGrafx-16 Mini. These are all very small consoles that run off of USB power and use very little power at that. The game catalogs are also quite deep on these. So it turns out the average wattage used per hour is around seven and a half watts. This is actually in the ballpark of a Raspberry Pi. For those of you not familiar with a Raspberry Pi, it's a single board computer, costs $35, and it plays many, many retro games. The area where you're going to get stuck with a Raspberry Pi is you have to provide your own ROMs. I'm not going to get into where to find ROMs or the legality of ROMs. I'm just going to say that you need to provide your own if you're going to do a Raspberry Pi build. With the other mini consoles, they provide the ROMs for you, but you're also limited to the ROMs that come with it unless you hack them and add your own ROMs, which puts you right back in the same spot as a Raspberry Pi. And for what each of them cost individually... You're much better off just buying the Raspberry Pi and going that route. But 
Either way, the Raspberry Pi uses between 5 and 7 watts an hour. So, how long can you game without a solar panel to recharge your system? And what I mean by that is, if you're off-grid, you're going to have to have some kind of battery system. Whether it's a bunch of batteries laid out connected to each other and a charge controller that connects into the solar panels. Or you buy something a little bit more modern and user-friendly like a Jackery. Uh, I think they call them solar generators. It's really just a giant battery. Uh, they come in all different sizes, but I think the two that are most prominent are the 500 watt hour and the 1000 watt hour. So if you had one of those units, and by the way, there are many generic knockoffs of, of this brand Jackery, so you don't have to buy that, but just understand that you have a battery system that holds either 500 watt hours or 1000 watt hours. How long can you game if you didn't have a solar panel to recharge those? Well, with a 500 watt hour Jackery, a 32 inch LCD in one of the mini consoles or a Raspberry Pi, you can do 6.45 hours, almost six and a half hours. I don't know about you, but I don't have more than six and a half hours to game on a typical day. I might get one or two hours. So I would be happy with that. With a thousand watt hour Jackery, you could get 12.9 hours. That's over half of the day. Again, more gaming time than I can put in. But if you happen to put yourself in a situation where you know, you're off grid for a couple of weeks and you want to game nonstop, this may matter to you. Now, these are max estimates, right? At 77.5 watts an hour, 6.45 hours and 12.9 hours. But what if you went on the minimum end of the estimate? So remember, the 32-inch LCD TV averaged between 30 and 70 watts. So what if you went with a 30-watt estimate of that and the 5-watt estimate of the Raspberry Pi? Well, now you're at 35 watts an hour, which conveniently is a little less than half of the max. So with a 500-watt-hour battery system, you're already at 12.9 hours, which was the higher end of last time. And get this, if you have a 1,000-watt-hour battery, you're now at 25.8 hours. So more than a full day of gaming nonstop, which I don't think anybody's going to be doing. So what I'm getting at here is that either one of these two scenarios is probably good enough for anybody. But if you are real hardcore or you're doing this with a purpose of gaming off-grid long-term, maybe the higher watt-hour solutions make sense for you. Now, what if we went a little bit different direction? So let's say we didn't want to have a 32-inch LCD TV, but instead we were willing to go with something smaller, more like a computer monitor. Well, it turns out there's some portable monitors out there that will run off of USB-C power. One of them's called uh, Wemaxit or Ymaxit. I don't know how you, how you want to pronounce it. But that one is a 5-volt, 3.5-amp monitor that's essentially using 17.5 watts per hour, right? So if you look at 17.5 watts per hour and add it in with, say, a Raspberry Pi at 5 watts an hour, you're at 22.5 watts per hour, which is even less than the 35 watts per hour that we were looking at on the previous situation. So you'd get an even longer time out of it. Granted, the screen would be smaller, so you'd have to either pull it closer or be okay with that. Now, the last section that I looked into was something that I'm a little more familiar with, and that's because I do a lot of, let's just call it camping. I do a lot of overlanding in my Jeep, and I'll go out to places where there's not really power. I'm not taking a solar panel. The only power I have on me is with one of these portable battery systems and then whatever I can charge off of the vehicle's battery as I'm driving, right? So not much at all. 
what do I do in those cases? Well, first of all, I'm not going out there to game. That's not my primary reason. So I'm not worried about playing for hours and hours and hours at a time. However, I do like to relax at the end of the day, do a little bit of gaming before I go to bed, maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever the case is. What can I use that uses very little power, that doesn't require a solar panel, doesn't require a lot of other electronics, but can still play games? And for this, I look to tablet gaming, specifically Android tablet gaming. Now, I'm an Apple person. Almost all of my devices are Apple. That being said, for tablets, I typically get Android just because of the emulation situation. There are some emulators that run on iOS. Sketchy way to get to them. Not really interested in doing that. But with Android, I can install all kinds of emulators and ROMs and play games on a tablet. I'll usually bring a controller with me that connects up to a Bluetooth to do that rather than try to use touchscreen controls, which I'm not really a fan of. But as you can imagine, tablets get a lot of battery life. Even the cheapest of them get two to three hours of battery life, which is more than I'm going to be using for the use case here. But if you get more expensive ones from Samsung and whatnot that have bigger batteries inside, you can get close to 10 hours, if not more, of battery life off of one charge, which will allow you to really get a lot of gaming in on very little power because that tablet will charge up very quickly off of the vehicle's power while you're driving around. So one of the questions that came to mind here is what would I do if I had to go off grid? What would I do for gaming if I wasn't able to use the normal things I use every day in my house? As it turns out, I already do that. As I mentioned earlier, I do a lot of overlanding, which lends towards more of the tablet gaming. But I also have a ranch that I spend a significant amount of time at here in Texas. And while I'm out there, I have no access to municipal anything. No municipal water supply, no municipal electricity. I barely get a cell phone signal out there. So what do I do? Well, I do exactly what I mentioned earlier. I have a small 32-inch LCD TV and a Raspberry Pi. And I bring one of these battery units, a solar generator, if you want to call that, hook everything up. And I have a small solar panel that I can put out to charge the unit back up throughout the day. And that's kind of one of the things I'll note here, that because the solar panel is small and I'm not really using the battery during the day, I'm able to just put the solar panel outside in the sun and just leave it there all day and charge the thing back up to full. Depending on the size of the battery and the size of the solar panel, as well as whether or not you're going to be using it during the daylight hours, that equation might shift a little bit for you but it's pretty much the same for everyone. So I would highly recommend that. At the end of the day, I think gaming off-grid is a really cool thing. I realize that in some scenarios, it might seem odd or counter to what you're trying to do if you're out in nature, off-grid, playing games, but this is a gaming podcast. So that's the kind of things we talk about. And while most people might want to escape electronics or escape social media or whatever the case is and go out to the middle of nowhere and just be free from it all, I think that those of us that are gamers can still enjoy nature and enjoy being off-grid, but might still want to bring some of our games with us. And that's perfectly okay. One option that I did not discuss at all, and it probably should have been the first option to be honest, but it just came to mind right now, the Nintendo Switch. The Nintendo Switch Lite. Amazing console. You can play more modern games, and as long as the games you're playing do not require connection to the internet, you're good to go. However, I will say that with a lot of more modern consoles, internet connectivity is more of a requirement than a good to have or like to have. So consider that. 
There are also other handheld units out there. I don't have all the model numbers on me right now, but suffice it to say there are many that span the gamut in terms of prices and compatibility with various emulators and whatnot. These handheld emulators are excellent. As long as you have the ROMs to support them, you can get hours and hours and hours of enjoyment out of them. The drawback is, of course, that they are small. The screens are small. So this is a more of a portable gaming experience than a typical you know, TV-based gaming experience. So in this second section of the podcast, I want to talk about something really cool that's happening. As you know, I'm very into cloud gaming. Google Stadia, NVIDIA GeForce Now, Amazon Luna, Xbox X Cloud, etc. Love cloud gaming. It's kind of my thing right now. And it's a little bit antithetical to the topic of the podcast, which is off-grid gaming, because you literally cannot do cloud gaming off-grid. But I still wanted to mention something that I thought was very important. Up until now, Stadia has not really had a good representation of JRPGs or Japanese role-playing games. They did have Final Fantasy XV, which is a great game, but not really many of the other franchises or titles that are typical or that are more popular within the JRPG fan base. And as someone who loves JRPGs, I was excited to see that four are coming to Stadia very soon. If you're not familiar with the Ease series, you really need to check it out. And that's Ease spelled with a Y-S. Ease is a great series of RPGs that has spanned many years at this point. The most recent two of the Ease series are Ease 8, Lacrimosa of Dana, and Ease 9, Monstrum Nox. I have the collector's edition of Ease 8, and I just ordered the collector's edition of Ease 9 for Switch, but I typically don't open my collector's editions. I leave them sealed. So while I do have collector's editions of these two games, I will play them on Stadia. The other series that's coming is Trails of Cold Steel, another great RPG series. The two games that are coming are The Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 3 and The Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 4. Now, collectively, these four JRPGs are amazing. I am so glad they're coming to Stadia and that Stadia is beefing up its JRPG stable, if you want to call it that. So having Final Fantasy XV, I think the new Dragon Quest is on there now, and then these four, that's a pretty solid start. And you have to remember, Stadia is in its infancy. It's a little over a year old, getting close to a year and a half. The number of games is just exploding every single month that goes by, and they're getting good quality titles. Yes, there are a lot of smaller titles and indie titles, and also some titles that aren't very good, but there are a lot more titles coming. So I'm really glad to see that, and I hope that if you're a JRPG fan, you'll check out Stadia and check out these four games, because I think they're worth your time. And now, here's a section that I want to bring in for every podcast episode, and I call it the pick of the week. And I realize this is a bi-weekly podcast, but still... I treat it the same way, the pick of the week. And the pick of the week can literally be anything, anything that I think is cool and I think you guys would appreciate. And so not necessarily related to gaming, although I'm sure a lot of the picks will be related to gaming, but I like to end episodes with something awesome and positive and something that you might want to look into if you're interested in it. And it's just kind of a treat to hand to you on the way out, do with it what you will. So this week, we're talking about the Anbernic RG350. We talked earlier about portable gaming, about the Nintendo Switch and the, or the Switch Lite, and I said there's a myriad 
of handheld devices out there that allow you to run emulators and play all sorts of games. One of those is the Anbernic RG350. Now, I will say this. I believe there's a 351 and a 351M or something like that now, and I will link them in the show notes. But the point is to say that this is a small handheld device with a good quality screen, and it runs a Linux operating system on it with a bunch of different emulators already configured out of the box for the control set on here. So it kind of looks like a Switch Lite, a smaller version of a Switch Lite. Not exactly, but you know, it roughly resembles that. And as I mentioned, it has a whole host of emulators on there for things like Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Genesis, PlayStation 1, TurboGrafx-16, and many others. I don't remember what I paid for this. Again, I'll link it in the show notes so you can see what the prices on them are. But it wasn't that expensive. I'm fairly certain it was under $100, but it wasn't that expensive. And for what you're getting for the money, I think it is completely worth it. I installed a couple of additional emulators that weren't on there very easily, put a couple of ROMs on there to do some testing, and I was having a really good time with it. So this is a perfect off-grid gaming device, you know, tying it back to the title of the podcast here. So if it's something you're interested in, if you want a mobile device to play retro games on, maybe you don't want to hack your Switch or your Switch Lite. You want to leave those alone so that you don't get banned by Nintendo. But you want something similar that allows you to play much older games, things from Game Boy, Game Boy Advanced, Game Boy Color. This is the perfect kind of device for that. So check the show notes. I'll link it in there. I'll link the more recent ones if they have them. And this is a device I can tell you is highly recommended. I want to thank all of you for listening to this episode of the One Up Podcast. If you're new here, you can find this podcast on anchor.fm slash oneuppodcast or on your favorite podcast service like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can get the show notes for any episode at our website, www.oneuppodcast.com. If you want to contact us, you can tweet us at realoneuppodcast or you can leave us a voice message on our Anchor podcast page at anchor.fm slash oneuppodcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.